Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. And now your host, business expert, Andrew Roberts. We have a really powerful podcast for you today. It's I interviewed my coach, Tracy Sacombi, and she is the author of a program called From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser. And we really focus on addressing, from her perspective, why there is so much mental health challenges, issues within the farming community. Uh, she's really wise. You, you'll, you'll tell from the answers to some of the questions that I have, and she's just got so much knowledge around why we suffer, and particularly uh, it keeps this very relatable to, to the farming space. Now, Tracy is my coach, but she's also one of our main coaches at Farm Owners Academy. So she's she's worked with hundreds of uh, farmers, and she she's really shares with us vulnerably in this in this episode that more than fifty percent of the people she works with uh, experience some form of, of mental um, challenges. And so I feel this is such a powerful topic to be releasing to you in the week of Are You Okay? So enjoy this and um, you're in for a treat. So tune in. Remember to please subscribe and share this with another farmer. But I hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome, Tracy. How are you going? I'm great, Andrew. How are you? Really well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, And really, this topic is really dear to me. Um, around are you okay and and I'm, I'm just know you've got a lot of information uh, around this Tracy and, and I'll, if it's okay with you uh, can we just get straight into it yeah absolutely right so I would love for our listeners just to understand a little bit more about what prompted you to create a course people pe- people please up to soul please up Yeah, so um, a few years ago, I was running three businesses and I had three kids and I managed our investment properties and I was a workaholic. And I realised that everything that I did was for approval, um, for recognition, uh, to achieve, and my self-worth was based on getting recognition from people outside of myself. Mm. And so I drove myself really hard and looking back, I realised that it was all to avoid feeling um, and I'd really closed my heart over and was living in my head. And it occurred to me when I was speaking to somebody one day when I left one of my businesses and she was asking me, you know, what on earth are you doing? I said, I feel like I've gone from being a people pleaser to a soul pleaser. Mm. Um, And what I mean by that is that when you please your soul, it's not being selfish. It's about aligning with your values, what's true for you, actually remembering what's true for you because when you're a people pleaser, you really lose that. And aligning with that and making choices based on what you really want, which mm. I think you don't know in the end when you're so busy running around making sure everybody else is okay and worrying about what other people think. Yeah. I mean, this is a really big topic and and really connecting it even with Are You Okay Day, you, you see this um, in the farming community, how much this can actually cause men- mentally mental health issues, correct? This causes people to experience a lot of unhappiness when they're not being true to themselves. 
Yeah, definitely. And sometimes they're not even aware of it. I just got off one of my coaching calls with one of the farmers and we were talking about one of the reasons that he doesn't really want to employ someone. And he said that part of it was because he doesn't like confrontation. And when I explored that further with him, he said straight out, I'm a people pleaser. You know, Mm. I just want to keep the peace. And so I avoid confrontation like the plague. I just don't want to go there. And so therefore it's easier for me not to employ people because otherwise we're going to have those uncomfortable conversations, which I don't like to have. So for him, um, he's working really hard, needs an employee, but has this aversion to confrontation. But plus, because of his people-pleasing ways, he has some depression, and he doesn't make himself a priority. So what I've asked him to do is to start going riding on his bike so that he can actually, you know, get in touch with nature and get into that meditative state because he is addicted to working, which keeps him away from thinking about his own problems, which just Mm. perpetuates the problem because he's getting burnt out. Yeah. And, Tracy, this is, I'm sure that you've seen this in not, not just him, in other examples in farming, Families as well, correct? Yeah, look, I I must say that out of all of the families I talk to, I would say that more than 50% of the groups, there is at least one member of the family who is experiencing mental health problems, whether it be depression or anxiety or both. Um, And in some cases, both both the husband and wife are experiencing it as well. Um, And it's really interesting because there is this real stigma around it um, and hopefully with, you know, days like Are You Okay and weeks like that, you know, we're reducing that. But I find particularly in the country and although I didn't grow up on a farm, I did grow up in the country and I really believe that my mum experienced depression when I was growing up. But when I tried to talk to her about it, when I felt down um, after my third child, she did not want to talk about it. Like it was just something that you do shove under the carpet and you don't mention it. Um, And she's a nurse, you know, so she's even in the medical field. And so I think it can be very difficult for people to, A, recognise that they need to talk to someone and then feel brave enough to be vulnerable and share with somebody how they're feeling. I mean, it resonates with me as well, Tracy. I grew up on a farm and I was brought up to not be emotional, um, and and so many things you mentioned earlier about needing to prove myself to my father, right? So you put all this added pressure on yourself, but when something goes wrong, you're not allowed to cry, you're not allowed to show emotions, and you, you're brought up this way, and, and then you get a little bit conflicted later on in life because you recognise when you, when you come to a period where you, your body wants to show the emotion, but you've got this big lockdown, you know, don't show the emotions, and I mean, I, I guess you see a lot of that with, with what you males and females, correct? Yeah, I really do. And, you know, I was thinking about one of my clients the other day and for him, you know, he actually observed somebody with depression in his life. So, you know, it gets modelled to us as well. So not only are we seeing somebody with it, but they don't talk about it. So we learn the behaviour and the triggers of somebody with depression and anxiety, but then we learn it's not okay to talk about it and Mm -hmm. if you feel something, don't express it. Not just for men. I find that women on the land are very tough as well. Like we always used to joke my my siblings and I that if you were moving house, call mum because she could get on the end of the bed and carry it up the stairs, you know. Like, you know, these women on the land are really tough and really resilient 
And this toughness means that you can't be weak and you can't be vulnerable and you can't show emotion. But you know what happens is when you're trying to avoid emotion, then when you're behind closed doors with the people you love the most, that's when you get triggered and that's when you crack it. And so what's going on is that people are very nice as pie down the street in the local community, but they're fighting at home because there's just this build-up of trying to hold down these emotions that have been blocked in the past. And so then they're triggered by each other and relationships are breaking down because they don't understand what's going on and they don't realise that these past emotions that they're too scared to feel come out as anger at the wrong person, at the yeah. person who loves you and is trying to support you. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, I really get this, that we're only angry at the people around us when we're, when we're hurting inside ourselves, right? And yeah. um, because you know, coming back to this, this word people pleaser, and I've done your program, which is just unbelievable, I would have, I would have said that I'm not a people pleaser. Um, because I want to dive into this a little bit more and, and in what, what other ways, Tracy, can we people please and, and, you know, what are some of the things that you may see from the farmers, how, how they may people please? Yeah. Without really, even being aware of it. Yeah. So a lot of people don't identify with the word and they'd say, no, no, I'm not a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, women are quicker usually to say that they're people pleasers than men, yeah. but I'm seeing it across the board like I'm seeing most people as people pleasers so I would ask the question do you ever worry about what other people think and one of the biggest things that people say to me when they're fearful about decisions in their business with their farms is one of the biggest fears that they have is that they will go broke and what people will say about them Mm -hmm. if they go broke which is fascinating when you think of the devastating effects of going broke to actually jump to the fact that other people are going to talk about it as being one of the main reasons, you know, that you're worried about it is crazy. Yeah. Um, but, you and know, this, and this can cause mental turmoil to someone, right? Yeah. It's just like the shame, like how embarrassing if I can't keep this business going. And so that fear can hold you back from taking calculated risks, which yeah. is obviously required in running a successful business. Yeah. So that's really big. Huge, 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 huge. Okay, so obviously the fear of going broke and people worrying about this, and that's a, that's a great example of people pleasing. What what else? Um, another one is um, not wanting to offend someone. So the unique experience that people have when they're running a farm is that you're not just working with employees; you're working with your family. Family, yeah. And so I was speaking to a gorgeous woman the other day and she was telling me about how the last time, because what I'm teaching in the Soul Pleaser program is to discover your truth and then with love and kindness, speak your truth. (laughs) And so the example that she wanted to share with me that she was really afraid of is that the last time she spoke her truth, it didn't go down well. And so this was because it's two couples and this is quite often the case as well. So you've got brothers that are running the farm together. And then of course you've got the wives. So two sister-in-laws and you're all having business meetings but your family and so it's not quite the same as a corporation in the city where no. if you want to say something you know you just say it you're really worried about how the other person's going to react and so once she realized that she's not responsible for somebody else's feelings this is another symptom of a people pleaser is that we actually feel like we're responsible for how somebody else feels mm. 
So we actually avoid delivering important information that we know in our hearts is true for us because we're afraid of the reaction somebody else is going to have and we yeah. take that on board as if we have caused that emotion in somebody else. But in actual fact, I'm responsible for how I feel and you're responsible for how you feel and all I can do is deliver in, in the most empathetic way possible. But I have mm. to say what's true because how can you communicate in a business if you're not all speaking the truth to each other? Yeah. And, and that's what I see in families is they're holding back because they're family. Yeah. And so they basically get on with work and, and even get busy or whatever, even though they've got this issue. Yes. And what, hap- what, what happens to them because they haven't dealt with that issue? Like what are the consequences of that? So the issues are resolved. And so there's un- underlying angst within the business and between the family members that nobody ever speaks about. So it's like the elephant in the room. So as the coach, when I'm dealing with them all on the phone, I can hear what's going on. I know what's going on. And so I can bring it up. Yeah. But if they're not willing to bring it up and openly communicate with each other, it never, ever gets resolved. Yeah. And the same thing happens between anxiety it is anxiety and it's just an underlying problem and resentment builds so because we're scared of what somebody else is going to think based on us telling the truth we don't say the truth and then we build up resentment towards each other as if it's the other person's fault that we're not telling the truth But really, it's our fear that stops us from saying it. And I see it between the generations. So the older generation is having this sense of loss of identity. So who will I be when I start to take a step back in my role of controlling the farm? And then the younger generation is all gung-ho with exciting ideas about how to build the business. But when they say something to the older generation, so it might be a father-son situation, the father gets um, prickly because of the approach and because they feel defensive and like they're losing control. But neither of them are saying what they really feel Mm. because they're trying to keep the peace. So this people-pleasing is actually preventing this open communication where an important transition and succession plan can openly happen by people being comfortable to be able to speak honestly with each other. Yeah, but some... As you mentioned, there's particular people that don't want to cause a fight, so they won't go. They won't. They'll they'll keep delaying that meeting, correct? Yeah. Because they're so worried about um, creating conflict, or and the conflict in this situation may be very healthy. Absolutely, and what we need to understand is somebody else's perspective. And the other thing about being a people pleaser is that you feel like you can't be vulnerable. So for the, for the father's position, there's this toughness and not being able to express, you know, I'm actually feeling really fearful about my future. Like, what am I going to do? If I'm not a farmer, how am I going to spend my time? And a lot of farmers never want to retire, which is great. And if they can just be open about that, then everybody can talk about their roles. Yeah. So I think that vulnerability comes from, you know, being afraid of not looking like you're all, you've got it all under control. And it's also come up sometimes with the benchmarking. You know, the benchmarking doesn't get done because there's a little bit of shame involved if, if there hasn't been good record keeping in the past. You know, they don't want to admit, oh, look, I've actually got information on pieces of paper all around the place. And so I don't want to admit that and look like I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. 
you know, which is but, another people pleasing thing, right? Because they're worried, they're worried what their kids might think of them, or yeah. or family members, or whoever, or, or even, I mean, us as coaches, exactly. exactly. They're, they're nervous about, well, what if I'm the, yeah, what if I'm the loser, if you like, within the group, which is not what we're thinking at all. No, no, because we're here to support, and the only way that you can change is by really honestly assessing what you've been doing so far. So yeah. this gets in the way of being able to say what you want to say. Yeah. Well, I just wouldn't, I would like to drill into this a little bit further, this fear of people taking direct feedback on. Um, yeah. What, what is that? And, and why are people so worried about someone telling them um, something like, oh, your figures aren't great or, you know, the way you're running your business isn't as good as what it could be? They'd almost prefer to avoid getting that feedback so they'll keep themselves busy. But why is that, Tracy? Yeah, that is such a good question. So what I believe is that many of us actually believe that our self-worth is defined by what other people think of us. Mm. So what we do in this situation is rather than seeing it as an opportunity to learn and to improve a behaviour or a system is that we take it personally. So this is really um, a lot of the feedback that I get from people is that they take things personally. Yeah. And so they believe that it's an attack on them as a person rather than something about their behaviour or the way mm. that they're doing something. And so this becomes... Um, where people start to beat themselves up. So I talk to a lot of people who have a very strong inner critic and this is also a real symptom of people-pleasing is that we rehash our mistakes. So we're so hard on ourselves, the last thing we need is for someone else to be hard on us. Yeah. And so we're so self-critical that we feel like somebody who is not criticising us but just making a suggestion, we're jumping to the conclusion that they're criticising us because we are criticising ourselves. And then the double whammy is that when we're self-critical, we criticise others. Mm. And that really comes from us having high standards for ourselves and so we project that onto other people. So then we can be not only self-critical but quite judgmental of other people too. Yeah, and I, I'm going to raise my hand here and say guilty. Um, and I, but I used to find that for whatever reason, Tracy, um, and not so much anymore actually, but, and I don't know if I've, done, if I've worked through it or, or if I've still got work to do it, but I used to get really frustrated with what I call lazy people. Yes. They used to really trigger me. Um, and I couldn't understand it. It would just get under my nerves. Uh, and, and then I, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was, I think it was the expectations that I put on myself to always be moving and always achieving and always succeeding. And when I notice these people uh, not, not, not doing that, I take that personally. Like, what is that? Like, why, why, am I getting, why would I get triggered by something like that? And that is so interesting, and I see that all the time. And I always say to people, if you see it, it's for you. Yeah. So when you see something in somebody else, it's for you to see it in yourself. Yeah. You only notice it in someone else because it's something that they're, we... They're doing me a favour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a blessing when someone shows you a habit that you have. And so many of my farmers that I work with are addicted to doing. And so they have been brought up to believe that you will only be successful, you'll only be seen as a good farmer if you work hard. Mm. And so they believe that this is what it's, what's required. So, again, it's about 
people-pleasing because it's people won't view you as being a good farmer if you're not there, out there, on the land, sleeves rolled up, doing the hard labour. And so this prevents people from succeeding because they could be seen as, in your words, lazy if they go into the office and do what they really need to do to build their business. And the classic example of this was um, one of the guys I'm working with said to me, "Um, I feel really guilty for coming into the office. And I said, why do you feel guilty for coming into the office? And he said, because my uncle, who works really hard and works really long days, is still out there and he's probably thinking, why is he in there hiding in the office and not doing the hard work? And I said, so is that what he thinks? Did you ask him that? He goes, oh, no, I didn't ask him. And so I kept him accountable to go and ask his uncle, what do you think about me working in the office? And his uncle said, I'm glad you're doing it. I don't bloody want to do it. And you need to do it to build the business. And so there was this total misperception because, again, people don't ask, but also it all came down to him worrying about what somebody else would think if he was in the office working on it. We create a story, right? And and it's even that concept that you were talking about before of what people what people might think of me and my neighbours if I fail. Yeah, Yet they're never even thinking of us, correct, Tracy? That's the, no. the sad reality <laughs> is. Yeah, they're not thinking of us because they're too busy wondering what we're thinking of them. Yeah, <laughs> and we create these stories in our little minds. Yes, that must cause so much chaos and so much mental noise. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that mental noise, I've really been able to dive deep into the most common patterns of how people spend time at their head that's related to people-pleasing but also very relevant to are you okay because this is where we divide the depression and the anxiety. So depression is when we are not present and we're rehashing the past. Anxiety is when we're not present and we're worrying about the future. And I find a large percentage of people who will have a conversation with someone or something will happen and then they will go away and they will rehash that conversation to death because they will wish that they said something differently or they're worried that what they said offended them or they'll try to imagine what that person is thinking about them because of the conversation they had. And it just makes them anxious and they just get stuck in this loop where they can't stop thinking and they just keep rehashing. So huge. And I've been guilty of this. And, you, you know, this is what causes a lot of mental health issues, right? Which And, and people, uh, uh, the underlying thing that may be sitting under this mental health is the fact that they're people-pleasing in the first place, right? Yeah, and it comes down to self-worth. It comes down to not knowing that you are okay just as you are without changing anything, Mm. no matter what anybody else thinks about you. And like we said, nobody else is thinking about you. But the interesting thing about, because I've worked with someone who has really come ahead in leaps and bounds after 12 years of depression, he most recently was triggered and only felt in the funk, I'll call it, for two days, whereas in the past it would last for two weeks. And so I was really able to explore what happens when somebody's triggered and can't get out of it. And what I discovered is that we start to label ourselves and beat ourselves up. So first of all, what happens is something small triggers us. 
something happens. And what's happening, by the way, with a trigger is that it's an event that causes you to start to feel an emotion that you've pushed down in the past. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, when you're growing up, you feel like you're not quite living up to your dad's expectations. This is a really common one on the farm. So um, a little boy on the farm really wants his dad's attention and he wants to go out on the farm and do things with his dad and his dad is busy. He's got to get on with the job and get the work done and sometimes the dad might turn around and say, don't do that, you know, from a practical point of view. And the child is like crushed at the time, but he has to be tough and he can't cry. So he pushes down that rejection. That's what it feels like at the time. It feels like he's rejected. So he pushes the rejection down. So then he's here and he's an adult, he's 40 now, and his wife says something and he takes it as rejection. So again, he feels rejected. Now, the rejection feeling starts to come up and he doesn't want to feel it, so he yells. He gets angry. It's like, leave me alone, you know, don't be so, you know, don't be a cow, whatever. Yeah. And, and it could just be all gone and done, but then he notices his behaviour and he hates himself for it. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, I love my wife and look at what I'm being like. Wow. And it can be happening the other way around. It can be the wife as well or snapping at your kids and you know it's not your kid's fault and you're like, Oh, and then it, and then you perpetuate it because you feel so bad about yourself yeah. because of the behaviour. You beat yourself up. Yes, and then yeah. you just, and then it's a vicious circle, and then you're angry because you're angry with yourself, yeah. and you continue to take it out on everyone around you. But if you could just forgive yourself and actually start to feel that feeling that you squashed years ago, you could start to recover from this rather than just self-perpetuating it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was taught this years ago, Tracy, that it's what you say to yourself when you're by yourself about yourself that matters most. And and what I'm hearing here is it's so easy for something to occur but then potentially um, the, the, the self-talk of beating yourself up and I shouldn't have said that can go on for maybe hours, days, weeks in some people, which just few, must fuel, must be so draining of energy and so demotivating and then really it, it would suck all your, 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 not just your energy but all your confidence, correct? Yeah, and, it, and it's self-perpetuating because yeah. then you feel bad and then you see it going on and then you feel labelled and then yeah. you feel helpless. Yeah. So the doctor has said you've got depression or you've got anxiety and then you go, I can't help it and you feel like you can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I've had such incredible change with these guys is because they have felt like there's nothing they can do about it until now. And, and once you realise that you don't have to believe your thoughts, you know, if you're taking notes as you're watching this, just yeah, write that yeah. down. Like just because you think it doesn't mean yeah. it's true. No. Just a thought that's gone in and it becomes a habitual thought. And oh. I just really encourage people to question what they think about themselves and situations all the time. Is this really true? Yeah. Do I have to believe this? Do I have to keep thinking this way? Well, you talked about depression being in the past, anxiety being in the future. How much do, can we worry about the future, Tracy? And, that, and it never happens, right? But we, you know, right now there's obviously a lot of farmers listening to this and it's, it's not raining and that it, it, it potentially could create an image of, of losing everything. And so we could, we could hold on to that and then create this enormous pain that we won't be able to put food on the table and everyone's going to be laughing at us. And none of these things are true, correct? We're still going to 
always have people around us that will feed us. I mean, this is what I love about Australia so much. The government will even come in and make sure we stay alive with government support. But really the story that we're, we're worrying about never happens, really, does it? Yeah, and it's amazing how it's such a habit to worry and how you can actually pick up this habit when you're young. You know, a lot of people that I talk to who have the worry habit grew up with one parent or both parents worrying. And and I certainly did. Like my mum, we laugh about it now, but she used to take photos of us before we went on a plane in case she never saw us again. So we'd all line up, you know, (laughs) make fun of her and we'd have our photo taken. Bless you, mum. And, you know, I really inherited that worry habit is worst case scenario, just dramatising the worst outcome. And our thoughts are powerful. And the vibration that that creates, the frequency or the emotion that that creates is powerful. And so it's really important when we catch ourselves starting to go down the rabbit warren of the worst case scenario is to come back to the present moment and actually speak the truth about the reality right now. So the reality might be the amount of mils of rainfall you've had or the number of days you haven't had rain. Anything that you're saying past this moment, you're making it up. Like you've just got to be really realistic with yourself about that and really expect the best. You know, take the measures to deal with what you get but always expect the best outcome and stay in a positive frame of mind. Yeah, Really, really valuable advice. So we've done some ideas on people pleasing. Like what is this, how do you live as a soul pleaser and what are the benefits? So when you're a soul pleaser, you've really aligned with the truth of who you are. So you're not your past and you're not your habits and you're not your mistakes. That's Hmm. not who you are. You're not even this body that you have, and Hmm. you're not your mind. And so we're so attached to those things that we've identified ourselves as those things. And we build up this protective layer of protecting us from being vulnerable and from being hurt. Hmm. So we think that if we, you know, we keep this tough facade, then we can just protect ourselves and never get hurt again. And that's not who you are. When you really start to peel off the layers and reconnect with your heart, you'll realise that there's this energy within you, this love within you that is really who you are. And the difference between being a people pleaser and a soul pleaser is your moment-to-moment choices. Sometimes we forget that our reality right now is an accumulation of all the choices we've made leading up to this moment. That's basically the life that you're living. And so in the moment that we make a choice, if we are a people pleaser, we're going to make a choice based on what others might think. And it happens so fast that we don't think it consciously. But if we pause and breathe and check in with ourselves and trust how we feel, we'll make a choice that I believe comes from the soul of who we really are. And that choice will always be for the highest good for all. So it won't be selfish. It'll be one that's good for you, but it will be one that's good for the other as well. So, for example, in the example of... um, the guy who was working in the office who was afraid that his uncle thought that, you know, he was hiding in the office and not working hard. When he was honest about working in the office, it was good for the uncle who doesn't want to do the work in the office but realises it needs to be done and it was good for him. 
So it's just really stopping and pausing and noticing that you're acting on autopilot based on the beliefs that you've inherited and Mm. been taught and been conditioned with. And if you were to check in and see what feels true for you and honour that and perhaps feel some fear about it but follow through with it anyway, that that will create the best outcome for everybody. And living as a soul pleaser means living like that, making choices from the heart rather than from the conditioned mind. Yeah. And knowing that those decisions are going to benefit everyone else around you as well, correct, because when you're happy, when I'm happy, Tracy. Um, everything in life seems to be great, like relationships are great. Isn't it amazing how yeah. often when we're not happy ourselves, we, we take it out on others and, and, and it's not, you know, other people suffer because of our lack of soul-pleasing, if you like, our yeah, people-pleasing. Yeah, like if you really tune into what's good for you and you share that with the people that you love they are all going to be open to that. We always have this fear that we're going to get judged when we say, you know, I'd really love to do this. You know, like the guy I was talking to today when I said that if you start to ride your bike because when you ride your bike it takes you into a meditative state, then you're going to start to feel happier. Then this is something that his wife is really supportive of because she can see how great that's going to be and the flow-on effect for everyone But he's too fearful to bring that up because it's going to take away from all the work that he could be doing on the farm on the weekend. So we just sometimes are guessing what other people are going to think. And we actually don't even know until we start to tell the truth about it. No, and people respect it. So is there one action or, or is there one thing that people could do and I'll talk a little bit more about how people can reach out to you, but if, if people walk away with maybe one thing to look at doing to move from people-pleaser to soul-pleaser, what, what would that be? The first thing I think is to notice it is to just be honest with yourself and ask yourself when you do something, look back at it because often at first you're not going to pick it up until you've already done it. When you didn't say what you wanted to say or when you said yes when you meant no or when you avoided doing something or saying something, did you do that because you're worried about how someone else might feel? Mm. And if you become aware of that, then what I want you to do is to go within and say to yourself, what would have I done if I knew that the other person would accept that behaviour? Wow. Because if you start to accept your own behaviour, you'll see that other people do anyway, you know. Like it's really not the way to live based on thinking, will other people accept this? It's really about, is this acceptable to me? Do I feel like I'm being the best version of myself right now rather than, you know, what is somebody else's judgement? And then I would really encourage people to start to think about when is the last time you did something or you felt lit up, you felt Mm. inner joy. Because people have lost touch with that. People have to think about it when I ask that. And it's not always recently that they felt like that. And I would say do more of that because I believe that you're actually aligned with and in touch with the truth of who you are when you feel that inner joy no matter what it is, Um, it might be being out on the farm, it might be being in nature, it might be playing with your kids, it might be going for a ride on your motorbike, it might be things that you haven't done for a really long time because Mm. you think you're too busy to do it. Mm. Make that a priority 
Because when we're addicted to doing and we're workaholics, we don't make time for things just for the pure joy of it. I never used to do that. But it's so powerful to do things just because they bring you joy. Yeah. And if you can also really understand that a lot of people are so driven to look successful to all the, the neighbourhood or the community, yet the neighbourhood or the community don't give two hoots yeah. how successful you are. They don't even care anything about what you do. So really if you can let that go, right, it's just so liberating. Yeah. Um, Tracy, this has been so valuable. Um, I wanted to bring you in because I'm a client of yours. I'm halfway through Tracy's uh, From People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser course and I have got so much out of it. I just cannot believe how much of a people pleaser I am. Um, that's the first thing, and Tracy's absolutely right, being aware of being a people pleaser. But also some of these shifts that I'm going through now, Tracy, to become the soul pleaser, I'm actually finding really challenging because I have to let go of this perception of what other people think of these decisions, right? And so it's just quite unbelievable. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, pe- I'm people pleaser plus. But I, it is so powerful and so healthy, and, and, and I really endorse this program if you're listening to this um tracy people want to find out more about that how do they do that um you can just send an email to me so my email address is tracy no e at soulpleaser.com um and we'll just have a call i'll just chat to you over the phone and find out exactly what you're experiencing um and just let you know how i can help you and serve you it's amazing so tracy t-r-a-c-y at soulpleaser.com We'll put that um, below the notes on our website. If you wanted to, if you listen to this on Apple iTunes and, and you can't remember that email, jump on farmownersacademy.com, find our podcast, and we'll make sure that information is there as well. Tracy, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Andrew. Bye now.